One Church podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. And for more information, please visit us on the web at onechurch.net. church. So good to be together and uh, hope that you are experiencing God's presence wherever you're at today. Um, I'm so grateful for our friend David Santa Stevens leading us in a time of worship. And, uh, you know, uh, the Bible says where two or more are gathered in his name, that Jesus is with us. And so I pray wherever you're at today that you're experiencing God's presence in worship. And I want to take just a moment to welcome all of our guests, those of you that are joining us online. Maybe you've stumbled on this um, uh, on this uh, live stream from a friend that shared it, or maybe you've just stumbled on us uh, on YouTube or some other way. We are so glad that you've joined us. And I just want you to know that One Church Park District is not um, just a streaming service. We are a community here in the Orlando area, and we are passionate about living the Jesus life together. And we would love to invite you to be a part of us, connect with us in this season. Uh, maybe you, you don't love Jesus yet. Uh, well, I just would encourage you keep hanging around. And I think uh, you may come to love him as we do. Uh, also, I just want to welcome all of our church family that's joining us, whether you're at home, maybe watching with a friend, roommate, uh, maybe you're gathered with your family or in a house church. Uh, we are so glad that, that you have joined us today. And I just want to say to all of you. Thanks so much for just staying connected in this season. I know it's easy to drift. I know it's easy to kind of disconnect, uh, but I just want to say thank you for being connected. We had an amazing time of worship on Friday night, and I want you to know that church is not canceled in this season. Things may look a little different. As you know, we're not meeting in the same venue uh, that we were used to uh, before COVID, BC, uh, but church is not canceled. In fact, uh, we have just begun a new teaching series, and I want to pick up with that series today that we are calling The Movement. And uh, in this series, we're looking at the book of Acts, and we're asking the question, what is church? Uh, in this season, when church looks different than we're used to, uh, we believe God wants every one of us to look back at the Word of God and ask the question, what is the church? Is there some things that uh, we've picked up along the way over 2,000 years that we need to let go of? And, and are there some things that maybe we've not taken hold of or we've not prioritized that we need to? And the book of Acts is really the most beautiful picture that we can find in the scripture of the church. And as I told you last week, uh, I'll just give you a little spoiler alert right up front that uh, the church may be different than you think or than you've thought, but I believe it's going to be more beautiful than you've ever dreamed. And so last week uh, we started in the book of Acts chapter one, and we just got into three verses uh, really talking about the theme of entering the story because the book of Acts is a narrative story that uh, is really a continuation of the story of Jesus. Verse one, uh, Luke, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit says, uh, I'm continuing everything that Jesus began to do and to teach. And uh, then he talks about Theophilus, an ordinary person, but a person who lived to tell the story of Jesus. And I shared with you last week that when we live our lives to tell the story of Jesus, we, we, we make history. We become history makers in the story 
of Jesus. And as we continue to go throughout the book of Acts, we will see these ordinary people that change the course of history. Uh, I, I told you last week, the title of the book of Acts in your Bible and my Bible likely says the Acts of the Apostles, but it's not just the Acts of the Apostles. It's actually the Acts of Jesus, what Jesus began continuing throughout the book of Acts through ordinary men and women. And today I want to talk about what was it that was the catalyst that turned these ordinary people uh, into world changers. Uh, if you're a mom, if you're a dad, if you're a teacher, if you're a business person, uh, if you're uh, whatever sphere of life that you're in, I have some good news for you. There is no such thing as just being an ordinary follower of Jesus. God has called every one of us to be history makers and to be world changers. And, and we as the church are not called to just be a, a museum that looks back to the past, but a, a movement that is moving towards the future of everything that Jesus has called us to. And so I want to pick up today in Acts chapter 1, and I want to read from verse 4 to verse 8. Acts chapter 1, verse 4. The scripture says this, and being assembled together with them, he, Jesus, commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you have heard from me. For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. If you have your Bible, underline that phrase. You shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Verse 6, therefore, when he had come together, when they had come together, they asked him saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, it is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father has put in his own authority. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Uh, I want us to just pause for just a moment and look at this verse 8. And I want to read it again because this is the... Uh, the catalyst that propels everything else that we will read throughout the book of Acts. This is the verse on, on which the whole book of Acts hinges. You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses unto me in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. I want to speak to you today a message that I'm calling Power to the People. Power to the people. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your word today, which is living and active. And God, we pray that the same spirit that breathed upon Luke to pen these words, Father, would now breathe upon our hearts. Lord, I pray that you would anoint me to preach and to teach your word. I pray that you would anoint every person to hear and to receive by faith the word of God today. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Here in this, these verses that we've just read, uh, we are finding Jesus's final moments with his disciples. In fact, the very next verse tells us that he then ascended into heaven. And uh, here, even in the final moments of Jesus's time with his disciples, they are still struggling to wrap their mind around what Jesus has been teaching them. 
I, I told you last week that Jesus's message was the kingdom of God. The verse three of this chapter says that he spent 40 days with him. Then after his resurrection, teaching the kingdom of God, this was Jesus's primary message. Yet here the disciples are still struggling to get what Jesus is talking about. You see the last 40 days or so, or last month and a half uh, from the triumphal entry leading up to Jesus's crucifixion and resurrection. And then the, his time with them ha had been a, a crisis moment for the disciples. After spending three years with Jesus and he was teaching them about the kingdom of God, we find in the gospels, the story of Jesus going into Jerusalem and, and there's the triumphal entry. People are celebrating uh, Hosanna in the highest. They are wanting to uh, put him on the throne, crown him king. And, and the disciples are thinking, come on, let's, let's crown him. In fact, they are arguing uh, who's going to be on his right hand and who's going to be on his left hand. And then, of course, Jesus is not going to the throne. He's going to the cross. He dies. He, he raises from the dead in the ultimate display of victory and power and authority as the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And he spends 40 days with them. And the Bible tells us that he's speaking about the kingdom of God. And then as he's preparing in his final moments, the disciples ask this question to him, Jesus, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And here's what I want you to see. And maybe this is encouraging for you because these guys had walked with Jesus for three years. They had heard Jesus's teaching for three years, yet they still were failing to fully receive and wrap their hearts and minds around the message that Jesus had taught to them the message of the kingdom of God, because they thought that the message of the kingdom was about an earthly geopolitical kingdom. In this question that they asked, the last question they're asking to Jesus prior to his resurrection, Jesus, will you restore the kingdom to Israel? They're saying, are you going to now that you've been raised from the dead in the ultimate display of power, I think now is time, Jesus, come on back into Jerusalem. Uh, let's, let's overthrow the king there because if you've been raised from the dead, like how are they going to stop you? And, and we're going to put you on the throne. We're going to be uh, your cabinet. We're going to help you in your kingdom. And, and we're going to establish this rule and reign in Jerusalem and rule out to the ends of the earth. And what they were thinking is that Jesus was establishing a visible, natural, geopolitical kingdom. And Jesus is saying this, I can just kind of see the frustration in Jesus's mind, perhaps, as he's yet also patience, as he says to them, no, guys, you'll, it's not for you to know the times and the seasons. That's going to come one day. But, but right now, you're going to receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. In other words, I'm going to give you power, but the power that I want to give you is not external worldly power in the way of the world. The power that I'm going to give you is not the power like what you see in the Roman Empire. It's not external power that's demonstrated through external might and external control and, and, and external strength. It is 
power that will be received within you. And Jesus was demonstrating the fact that his kingdom and ultimately the hope that he came to bring is not found through us getting into power, but through us getting power into us. Not through his followers getting into positions of power. Will you restore the kingdom to Israel? But through getting the power of the Holy Spirit into us. And I want you to know this today in this wild moment, this crazy season that we find ourselves in. I want you to understand, and Jesus wants us to understand, that the problems of the world will never be solved by the power of the world. The, the problems that we find ourselves in will never be solved through the powers of this world. The answer for the world is not for us to get into power, but it's for us to get power into us. You say, Justin, that kind of sounds political. And, and, and I would say, yes, it is political. In fact, by definition, the word politics means a governing body that helps to make decisions. And I would argue that the church should not be partisan, but we should by definition be political. But the power that we have is not found through us getting into worldly power, but through getting godly power, the power of the Holy Spirit into us. You say, well, does that mean that we should not be involved in politics? Do we not vote? Do we just pray and, and read the Bible and ignore the problems in the world? No, uh, au contraire. In fact, uh, the book of Acts shows a totally different picture than a church that, that just um, hunkers down eternally in a prayer meeting and does nothing beyond that. In fact, as you look at the progression, and we're going to see this, that followers of Jesus filled with the power of the Holy Spirit become world changers, but it's not through getting into power, it's through the power that's in them. And we find the book of Acts actually ends with Paul having been filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. Now he's gone to Rome, he's exercising his civic right, appealing for a, uh, for a, uh, a trial in Rome in order that he might influence Rome. But he doesn't go trying to get into power, he goes in the power of the Holy Spirit. And I want you to understand that regardless of what happens in this political season, that we are not working to get in power, we are working from power. Now, again, that doesn't mean that we disengage, but it means we engage in the power of the Holy Spirit. In fact, if you're watching this on Sunday, tomorrow, Monday, is the last day to register to vote. And I'm not going to tell you who you need to vote for, but I will tell you this. If you're a citizen of America, you need to vote. You've been given a, a responsibility, just as Paul appealed to his citizenship as a, as a Roman citizen, you have been given a responsibility and a right, and every one of us should vote. Every one of us should engage in that. I believe we are called to vote. And again, I'm not going to tell you who to vote for. In fact, I, I would say this, that it's less important to focus on personality and more important to focus on positions. What are the positions? What are the issues that, that, that are 
influencing the moment that we're in. And what does the Bible have to say to those issues? But regardless of what candidate or, or party we affiliate with, we are not working for power. We are working from power in the power of the Holy Spirit. But all of it hinges on the baptism of the Holy Spirit. You will, be, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. Which begs the question, has the Holy Spirit come upon you? Have you been filled with the power of the Holy Spirit? Or are you like these disciples that, yes, they love Jesus. Yes, they were following Jesus, but they were fumbling and failing until they received the power of the Holy Spirit. And I believe God wants to give us the power of the Holy Spirit. In fact, uh, in a prayer meeting that we had this morning, there was a prophetic word, a word that was just put on someone's heart. And it was the word charge. They didn't even know that what I was um, speaking on today. But they felt that the Lord put the word charge in their hearts. And I believe that God wants to give us a charge in our spirit. He wants to charge you up. He also wants to send us. He wants to charge us out into the world. But first, we need to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. And maybe you hear that and you say, well, Justin, uh, I'm a follower of Jesus. Don't I have the Holy Spirit? To which I would say, uh, yes, every follower of Jesus has the Holy Spirit, but not every follower of Jesus is baptized with the Holy Spirit. There is a difference between being born of the Spirit and being baptized with the Holy Spirit. Let me give you this example, and this is really important for every one of us to understand because God doesn't want you to just be born again. He wants you to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. Let me give you this example from the life of Jesus. Think with me, and I want to draw this contrast between being born of the Spirit and being baptized in the Holy Spirit. Jesus, the Bible says uh, in the book of Luke chapter 1, verse 35, it says that he was conceived by the Holy Spirit. He was born of the Spirit. Unlike you and I and every other person, Jesus never had to be born again because he was conceived by the Holy Spirit. But there was a distinct experience in the life of Jesus where he was not only born of the Spirit, but the Bible tells us that when he was baptized in water, the Holy Spirit came upon him. And that was the moment that changed everything for Jesus in the life of Jesus. He was fully God prior to that, but he was not walking in the authority that he had been given as the Son of God, as Jesus Christ. The Bible's clear in the book of Luke that once the Holy Spirit comes on Jesus, everything changes. And so Jesus was born of the Spirit, but he was also filled with, baptized with the Holy Spirit. Just as he was submerged in the water, he was filled with, baptized in the Holy Spirit. The disciples, Jesus's, uh, well, 11 remaining after Judas, his disciples, the Bible tells us in the book of John chapter 20, and I encourage you, go read this, write it down, check it, and make sure I'm not making something up. That's always good to do. But when Jesus had been raised from the dead, the gospel of John tells us that he brought his disciples together. And one of his final acts prior to his ascension was he breathed on them and he said, receive the Holy Spirit. Now, how many of you know, if Jesus breathes on you and he says, receive the Holy Spirit, how many of you know, you've got the Holy Spirit. They had the Holy Spirit. 
But that was the moment that they were being born again. They were being, they, they were coming alive through the work of the Holy Spirit. And, and that has happened to many of you that are watching this. Most of us that are watching this, if you love Jesus, you're a follower of Jesus, you've been born again of the Holy Spirit. Maybe you remember a moment where you, you woke up one day, or maybe it was in a, someone shared the gospel with you and you go, it was like the lights came on. It was like suddenly you started wanting things that were different than what you had wanted before. You've been born of the Spirit. But I want you to understand that there is a difference between being born of the Spirit and being baptized in the Holy Spirit. The disciples had been breathed on by Jesus, received the Holy Spirit, but then he said, wait in Jerusalem and you will receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit or the baptism with the Holy Spirit. If I could use kind of a natural analogy to hopefully make this a little more clear for you. It's kind of like being an American. Uh, If you were born in America, you are a citizen of America. You have all the rights. You have all of the privileges. You have all of the protection of, of an American citizen. But it is not until you are 18 that you have the authority as an American citizen, the authority to vote. You don't have the power until you have the authority to vote. And, and, and that's really a picture of being born of the Spirit. Born of the Spirit is about your identity. Baptism in the Holy Spirit is about your authority. And in order to become the church that God's called us to, in order to be history makers in the world that we live in, we need to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. There needs to be a moment for every single one of us. And I would say not even just one moment, but one moment that enters us into an ongoing experience of living in the power of the Holy Spirit. This is true personally, and it's also true communally. It's true for us as a church family that we need not just individually the baptism of the Holy Spirit, we need communally, as the disciples had on the day of Pentecost, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. This is what's often called revival. And I want you to know that in 2020, our greatest need is not to get into power. Our greatest need is to get power into us through the Holy Spirit so that we can change the world, so that we can engage the world we live in, the civic responsibility that we have, not for power, but from power. We need revival. We need revival in America. If you watch the debate this week, perhaps you would agree with me that regardless of your perspective, if we put our hope in a person, we will be disappointed. And ultimately, Israel, after Jesus' resurrection, just a short time later, they thought, we're going we're gonna to rise up. We're going to throw off the the. Roman oppressor. We're going to, if I can use this term, and hopefully it doesn't sound offensive, but we're going to make Israel great again. That was kind of what they were wanting to do. And and Jesus wept over Jerusalem. He says, you've missed the time of your visitation. You've missed the moment because you've been looking to get into power because you thought my kingdom was, was a worldly kingdom, but it's not a worldly kingdom, external kingdom. It's an internal kingdom that comes through the power of the Holy Spirit. And so every single one of us needs to receive the power of the Holy Spirit. I'll tell you this, our church needs a fresh outpouring 
of the Holy Spirit. And so I want to give you very quickly, what are some ways? I've got so much in my heart today, but so little time to share it. And, and so I want to give to you very quickly, what are some conditions from this story that we can see? How do we get this outpouring of the Holy Spirit? Is there anything that we can do? I'm glad you asked that question. The answer is yes, there are some things we can do. And I want to look at this and give you five conditions that every believer and our church specifically can, uh, can follow in order to receive this empowerment of the Holy Spirit. Number one is this, the first condition of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit is this, an eager expectation an eager expectation. Jesus said this in Acts chapter one, verse five, you shall receive the power of the Holy Spirit or you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. You shall. In other words, there's this certainty and there's this expectation that something is coming. And, you know, expectation creates a, a sense of excitement, a sense of faith and, and, and a uh, an atmosphere of expectation or a, uh, an eager expectation creates an atmosphere of faith. Wow, God's going to do something. I don't know what your expectation is in 2020. Maybe you've lowered the bar of your expectations for 2020. I want to tell you, lift the bar. Maybe you've put your expectations on, let's see what happens on November 3rd. I want to tell you, you're, going to, you're putting your expectations ultimately in the wrong place. Again, I'm not saying it doesn't matter. I'm saying it's not the most important. And, and in order to experience the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, we need to have an eager expectation. They were eagerly waiting. God's going to do something. What's he going to do? I want to tell you, I have this expectation that this season that we're in, this is the kind of atmosphere that God moves in power. And I'm expecting an outpouring of the Holy Spirit. So number one, the condition of, of the, the Spirit's coming is eager expectation. Number two is active obedience. It's not only good enough to expect something to happen. We need to be actively cooperating with that through obedience. Here's what Jesus said to his disciples in, uh, in Acts, chapter, uh, Acts chapter 1, verse 4. He says, I want you to wait. It says he commanded them to wait in Jerusalem for the promise of the Holy Spirit. To, he commanded them to wait. Now, when he talked to them, when he told them this, his ascension, they weren't yet in Jerusalem. In other words, there was something they needed to do. They had to go to Jerusalem. And then there was something they needed to not do. Don't leave Jerusalem. Go to Jerusalem and then stay in Jerusalem. Don't leave Jerusalem. And in order to receive the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, they had to obey the last thing that had been told to them. You see, oftentimes we want the next thing that God has promised when we've not obeyed the last thing that God commanded. And I believe God wants to pour out His Spirit on us, church. In 2020, 2021, I believe there's an end-time revival that's coming. But in order to experience the, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, the power of the Holy Spirit in the way God has promised, we've got to obey what Jesus has commanded. Let me ask you this. Is there, is there an area in your life that you are knowingly disobeying something that Jesus has commanded? Jesus said, if you love me, you'll obey me. There was something they needed to do and there was something they needed to not do. Maybe there's some things that 
God has called you to do that you've not done, or maybe there's some things that God's told you to stop doing that you need to respond to. But active obedience precedes the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Number three, how do we position ourselves for the Holy Spirit to come? Not only do we need eager expectation and active obedience. Number three, I want you to see this, that we need missional readiness. Missional readiness. What am I talking about? Well, Jesus said this, you'll receive the Holy Spirit and you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, Acts 1 verse 8, and you shall be witnesses unto me in Jerusalem. That's the little area they lived in, their city, maybe we could say your neighborhood, Judea, that's the region that they lived in. Maybe we say the Orlando area for us. And Samaria, that's neighboring areas and to the ends of the earth. That's us. <laughs> From Jerusalem, we're the ends of the earth. You'll receive power and you shall be witnesses. In other words, the power was for a purpose. The power wasn't for them to just sit around in the upper room and enjoy God's manifest presence. The power was to enable them to go. Let me say this. Oftentimes we think the Holy Spirit is just to give us good services, just to make us feel good, just to give us exciting moments. And yes, the Holy Spirit does that, but the Holy Spirit is not primarily for our gatherings, it's for our going. And the further you go, the more power you'll receive. And some of us, if we've not received the power, it may be because we do not have a readiness to go on mission. I'll tell you, we have a moment right now unlike any moment in history, to take the gospel to the end of the earth. Uh, think about it with me for just a moment. The ability of technology to, to, to influence the globe instantaneously is unlike anything in the history of the world. Paul went to Rome because all roads lead to Rome. If you went to Rome, you could change the world. We have an opportunity through technology to take the gospel of Jesus to the ends of the earth. And we also need to take it to our neighborhood. And so, in fact, this fall, we are, this month in October, we're saying October is for outreach. What does that mean? We want to encourage you. Love your neighbor like never before. Uh, regardless of what sign they have in their yard, love them like Jesus loved them. We're going to be sharing with you some outreach opportunities this month where we can serve people in our community. Also, tomorrow night, I want to invite you to an Alpha online team interest meeting. I'm, I always love Alpha, but my mind has been blown by the potential of Alpha to literally share the gospel around the world. And so I want to invite you tomorrow night. If you're interested, go to our website, ocparkdistrict.com events. Join us tomorrow night, seven o'clock for that meeting. But we need to have missional readiness. This is a historic opportunity that we have. Number four, how do we prepare ourselves, position ourselves for the outpouring of the Holy Spirit? Number four, we need keen watchfulness. Keen watchfulness. Maybe you hear that and you say, Justin, it sounds like you are digging deep in the thesaurus this week to come up with these words. You're right. I got my thesaurus out to get those words. Keen watchfulness. What am I talking about? The Bible says this in Acts chapter 1, verse 11, that as Jesus went up, there was, an, there was angels that appeared and said, this same Jesus, which you have seen go up, will also come in like manner. And every time that there is an outpouring of the Holy Spirit, there is always 
a connected expectation for the second return of Christ. This is what we call the imminent return of Christ. And, you know, maybe you hear that and you think, ah, I don't know about that. Yeah, I believe Jesus is coming back, but, you know, that's probably not in my lifetime. Or maybe you think like I used to think, well, that doesn't actually matter. Let me tell you, it does matter. Our, our readiness and our watchfulness affects how we live. The Bible says this, uh, those who have this hope, the, the hope that Jesus is coming back soon, purify themselves. In other words, what you believe about Jesus's return and your expectation is going to affect how you live. Did you ever have a moment uh, when you were a kid, when your parents showed up, came back home before you were expecting them? And maybe they found you doing something you wouldn't have been doing if you had known mom and dad are about to be home. That's what I'm talking about. The, the Bible says that we need to be watchful for Christ's return. We don't know the day or the hour, but he's coming back. And, and Jesus says in, in Luke chapter 12, verse 37, that, that blessed are, are those who are watching for the master's return. Watching. We need to have a, an, an eager expectation and a keen watchfulness. Uh, let me ask you this. Are you watching? Are you looking for the signs of the times? Jesus says that, that he'll be like a thief in the night. I don't know if you realize this, but thieves do not send you a letter with their scheduled arrival time. They just show up. But there are signs. If you listen closely, you hear the, the door handle jiggling. You, you hear the window getting pulled up. You hear footsteps outside. I want to tell you, the door handle is jiggling. The, the window is moving. There's footsteps outside. Jesus is coming back. I don't know when, but when he comes, I'm going to be ready. I'm going to be watching. And even if it's years from now, maybe it's not in our lifetime, the, the fact is every single one of us, even if he doesn't come for us, you may go to him. And so we need to have keen watchfulness. The last thing that we need to have is unified prayer. Unified prayer. Look at what the scripture goes on to say. I didn't read to this verse, but it says in Acts chapter 1, verse 13, when they had entered the room, they went up into the upper room where they were staying. Peter, James, John, and Andrew, Philip, and Thomas, Bartholomew, and Matthew, James, the son of Alphaeus, and Simon, the zealot, and Judas, the son of James. These all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication. We read over that and we go, mm, that's nice. They had a prayer meeting. No, this was a culturally radical event. Because if you understand the personalities that were in that room, you know that Matthew, he, he was uh, a sellout to the Roman Empire. And, and on the other end of the spectrum, you have Simon the Zealot, the enemy of the empire. This is as different as Antifa and the Proud Boys. This is two ends of the spectrum, but here the two have come together under the lordship of Jesus Christ. They've laid down their banners. They've laid down their signs of their preference. And again, I'm not saying that we should not care about these things or engage in these things, but I'm saying we can't work for power. We need to work from power, the power of the Holy Spirit. How do we get it? We get it through unified prayer. They continued in prayer, in one accord, in prayer and supplication. Unified prayer always precedes the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And I want to tell you this, 
in 2020, over the next month and weeks, we should be active in our civic responsibility, but don't ignore your spiritual responsibility. Don't ignore the opportunity to pray. We've launched a, a morning prayer meeting on Thursday mornings from 6 to 7 a.m. I know it's early, but world changers get up early. And so I want to invite you again, go to our website and get that information. So we need to live with eager expectation, active obedience, missional readiness, keen watchfulness, and unified prayer. If that was the end of the story, we'd think, nice points. That's not the end of the story. The Bible tells us in Acts chapter 2, and they, when they were all together in one place, when the day of Pentecost had fully come, suddenly there came a sound as of a mighty rushing wind. Suddenly, suddenly, there are moments in time that God suddenly moves. And oftentimes we just read that and we think, God, oh, give us a suddenly. Well, that's like the person that wants to be an overnight success. They're an overnight success 20 years in the making. There was preparation that preceded the suddenly. A couple of weeks ago, I woke up in the morning. The first thought on my mind was the word suddenly. That's not normally the first thought that's on my mind in the morning. Normally, the first thought is coffee <laughs> or sleep. But I felt like the Lord put that word suddenly on my heart. And I believe God is wanting to prepare us for a suddenly. And the fact is, we can't produce a suddenly. We can't produce the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. We can't make a revival happen, but we can position ourselves for us, for a revival. As I've told you before, this moment that we're in that seems so dry, seems like spiritually we're in a desert. The church can't even meet together. What in the world is going on? Maybe it's not a desert. Maybe it's a moment that the waters have receded because the wave is building and there is a wave of revival that is coming towards us. I pray that it is. God, let your kingdom come. Let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I want to ask you, if you would, just to join me in prayer. If you want to bow your head, you can. And wherever you're at, if you just turn your heart towards the Lord, perhaps some of you that are listening to this, if you're honest, you have been looking for power in natural things. Maybe it has nothing to do with politics. Maybe it's been thinking, if I could just get into that job, then I'll have power. Then I'll have purpose. If I just had that relationship, then I'd really be satisfied. I want to tell you the good news of the gospel is that you cannot and will not be able to work yourself into power, but it has been given to you through Jesus Christ and I want to invite you, if that's you right now, just to pray this prayer after me. Jesus, come into my life. I turn away from my own efforts, my own works, and I turn towards you. I receive by faith your grace, your forgiveness of my sins, and the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. Help me to enter into your kingdom today and every day. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, even as we wrap up today, I want to encourage you, if you're in a house church, take some time to talk about this. Maybe you need to pray for one another. Maybe you need to talk about, have you been baptized in the Holy Spirit? What does this even mean? We're going to continue to share more on that and look at that in the weeks to come. But I want to tell you and I want to remind you again that even over these weeks ahead as we're active in all of the things in the world, we're not working for power. We're working 
from power because we have been given the opportunity to receive the power of the Holy Spirit. And I pray you are living in the good of that today. So thanks so much. I want to remind you again tomorrow night, we've got an Alpha Team meeting happening and also prayer meeting on Thursday. Other great things happening. So stay tuned with everything that's happening and we look forward to talking to you soon. God bless you.